Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Koinonia Radio. You already know you're listening to KPXQ 1360. Although, you know, you'd be surprised. I still run into people in Phoenix, Arizona, and talk to them about radio and stuff and all that. And there's still people in the Valley who they don't know about us every now and then. I run into this problem. And, you know, we've been broadcasting, uh, I think, 20 years now. Now, not me, personally, obviously. But uh, here we are. And we want people to know we're here. So, listen, if you enjoy Koinonia, if you enjoy the other programming in 1360, I mean, it's got some of the best preaching in the country. You know, from John MacArthur to R.C. Sproul, you just go down the list. Tell people about it. Don't assume they know. Say, you know, I listen to the show and... Uh, it's a, it's really good. Here's what they talk about. Tune in. We could talk about talk about the topics tomorrow. You know, something like that. Seriously, I I encourage you to to utilize the content we provide in your life, not only for your personal enrichment, but with those that you talk to and you're building with. You know, think about that. Just just something to throw out there. And if you need to give people the website, because you know, the internet and stuff like that. You tell them to go to faithtalk1360.com. Faithtalk1360. Dot com. Well, here today at Quinania, we are going to be talking about apologetics like we often do, but to a different demographic. Apologetics is the vindication of Christian truth, oftentimes in public. That's one way to describe apologetics. Apologetics also is the defense of the Christian faith against attacks against it. Apologetics sometimes involves polemics, which is pointing out errors and being critical of, of other uh, systems of thought and beliefs. So it's a multifaceted intellectual and, yes, spiritual discipline. And guess who needs apologetics? Everybody, but especially your teenagers. That's right. We want people to think for themselves. We want them to question. We want them to be intellectually curious. But if we don't provide a robust framework, if we don't provide answers, if we don't show them that the Christian worldview is more than enough to handle those tough issues and topics on that intellectual level, if we don't demonstrate that, it leaves a lot of people who don't yet have the faith that we do in God, for example, our teenagers, maybe that we're raising here that we know, saying, ah, this doesn't really, this isn't very satisfactory. Well, we hope to change that today. I have on the line with me someone calling all the way from Alaska, kind of different than Arizona, Lee Wyland, and he has written a great book, Letters to an American Teenager, or Letters to American Teenagers, Theological Discussion. It's a great book. We're going to sample it. And we're going to first introduce the author of the book. Welcome to Koinonia Radio. How you doing today, Brother Lee? All right, man. It's a, it's a beautiful day out here. Blue skies. A little chilly. It's a yeah, great day, man. How are you? little chilly. It's only negative uh, 20. All right. That's good to hear. <laughs> so you're originally from Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. You were in Southern Cali, Dallas, Houston. And a big thing, a major part of your life has been martial arts and even breakdancing. And now you've gotten into circus stuff, parkour stuff, tumbling. Now, how does a, a guy who's jumping around, running into things, flipping, flopping, hipping, hopping, 
<laughs> How do you have time, and why make the time to write a book on theology? That's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about that. We're going to get inside Lee's head on the other side of the break. He's got some degrees in, in art, Bible theology, teaching. Uh, you've also been in Florida. You even taught at a public school, so you're greatly qualified, I think, in very, very key ways to write this book. You taught in public schools as well as a college teacher, even mm-hmm. some science, philosophy, art. You're married and you got a young son, and this is great to hear, and I'm really excited about this book. I think people are going to like it, too. I encourage them to look you up at Gospel Jiu-Jitsu, Gospel Jiu-Jitsu, which is a website that has apologetics and cultural articles, as well as some of your art. So some interesting stuff with an interesting guest on an interesting topic. We're going to write some letters to America teenagers. We want them to see Christianity has answers to life's tough questions. Welcome back to Koinonia Radio. My name is Vocab Malone. I am on Koinonia every single Tuesday at 2 o'clock. See how easy that is to remember? Tuesday at 2. Tuesday at 2. Tuesday at 2. Tuesday at 2. Get it inside your head. Now, listen, I always want you to listen to 1360. I always want you to listen to Koinonia, but I especially want you to listen Tuesday at 2. Tuesday at 2. Tuesday at 2. <laughs> All right, well, I'm talking today to Lee Weiland. He is the author of a book I want you to know about, Letters to American Teenagers, a Theological Discussion with the Teenagers of America. Now, you're a former professional educator yourself, youth pastor as well, and you believe that the church has an obligation to address these issues that teenagers face. face. And so your book uh, goes in there and talks about human dignity, Ethics, beauty, art, world religions, law, sexuality, health, science, education, all holistically from a Christian worldview. Now, I asked you before we left the other segment, Lee, why Mm -hmm. you wanted to take away time, because I kind of made the joke that, you know, you do parkour, which is uh, people jumping throughout the city and doing some amazing feats of strengths and, and all types of tumbling and flips. Uh, usually in urban environments, and uh, I know things are different. You can do stuff in gym and all that. But uh, you took some time away from that, which is your professional area, to write on apologetics. Why is that? Why write a book on apologetics to teenagers? Well, uh, that, that's a good question. Um, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's easy to get really busy. And uh, whenever I was in the public schools and stuff, I had, I had more free time with uh, summers off and things like that. And, um, you know, as I was going through, I, I couldn't help but have a lot of conversations with students. And uh, I didn't shy away from teaching from the Christian worldview in my classroom. And so that, that obviously started a lot of discussions and stuff. I'd have discussions with students, with, uh, with my fellow teachers, with administrators, um, even parents about a lot of issues, just culturally speaking, ethically. And, uh, you know, in, in apologetics, especially presuppositional apologetics, um, you'll, hear the, you'll hear the phrase uh, of a, a worldview being reduced to absurdity. And um, that's, that's just something that, that happened a lot. And it, it, you know, it, was, it was sad to see that, you know, these kids that are coming up, the next generation, they, they just didn't have a foundation for the things that they talked about. And... Um, and, you know, I mean, everybody knows all, all of the problems that happen in public schools and, you know, the public school itself. And um, 
you know, the conversations were great and uh, built a lot of uh, awesome relationships. Um, but as I was uh, getting ready to leave and, and you know, go start a, a different business, um, I just felt the obligation to to write something about it because there were just so many of these things that just went, you know, unaddressed in the schools. I knew that like these kids were just craving, craving these things. You know, they they wanted to talk about this. And and uh, of course, I mean, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of conflict because it, they're, they're coming from completely different worldviews and uh, diff- just uh, contradictory ways of thinking and stuff. And so a lot um, of these letters in the book come yeah. out of discussions you have had with students. And so that's why it makes sense. The title of the book, Letters right. to American Teenagers. Now, of course, you uh, change the names to protect the guilty, right? Right. Well, but, <laughs> the guilty. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're, some of them are, are friends that I still have today. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, I just I address them as pseudonyms. And each, each chapter uh, is a letter to a different student, just kind of picking up on a topic that we talked about. Um, and just being really straightforward and, and open and honest about it. You know what I mean? Um, so let uh, me I, show everybody some of the chapter titles. Dear Molly, you're not dreaming. What does that deal with? I know what it deals with, but you're, once you <laughs> say the word, you're going to have to explain it. So first I'll tell everyone what it deals with, and I'll let you do the explaining and why it's important. Chapter 2, okay, Dear good. Molly, you're not dreaming. That has to do with epistemology. You're starting off a book, Letter to American Teenagers on epistemology. Why is that? What's that about? What's epistemology? Well, listen, uh, in, in schools, one thing that is just completely overlooked is how to think. Just how to think. Um, things like logic, critical thought. Now, they'll pay lip service to it, but uh, just, just how to think critically and logically. And, um, you know, like I, we mentioned, uh, presuppositional apologetics, and that's definitely the perspective from which I'm coming in this book. And so we, we had to lay the groundwork in chapter one on just how to think, um, because, you know, I, I can remember one of the conversations was, uh, uh, you know, the, the girl just, it, it, of course, we, we lay out the, the, the choice between the Christian worldview or not knowing anything. You can't know anything at all. And uh, unless you start with God, um, just Vantillian presuppositional apologetics. But, you know, in conversation, you know, you don't get all uh, uh, spe- specific with the wording like that. But anyways, um, she and her friends were just OK with just throwing up their hands and saying, oh, fine. You know, we don't we don't know anything. And it was just, oh, man, you know, like like where do you go from there? So that's that's why I, I took the first chapter It's probably the longest chapter in the book. And and it gets pretty detailed, you know, but. These kids are going to go into a college where they have to take uh, as part of their their undergrad work um, logic or philosophy. And it's definitely not going to be from a Christian worldview. And so I wanted to just put that in there from the get go. And uh, I know these kids can can handle that topic, epistemology, and it's necessary. Um, You know, either either you start with God or you really can't know anything. And uh so we had to get that one out of the way, first chapter. So that's because the foundation to be able to be in, uh, to be able to, to discuss things, right, is logic and how we can even know things, and that's what epistemology is. It's just a uh, sort of a fancy philosophical term, but it's very, very important. And really, if you think about it, 
it is foundational to the Christian worldview, everyone, because as we say Scripture is our ultimate authority, what we're saying is that God alone is trustworthy and that we can trust what he says. And that, that direct, directly relates to epistemology. And so that's why it's important to start there as the foundation. Chapter 3, Dear Megan, you reflect the image of God. That has to do with the doctrine known as anthropology. Why jump to chapter 3, Dear Megan, you reflect the image of God. What's going on in that chapter? Um, well, one of... Uh, a, a different conversation I had was um, uh, it was in an art class and uh, the subject was about um, uh, nudity and uh, nudity in art and uh, so just kind of dealing with the ethics of that and um, some controversy arose because uh, you know students wanted to display that in an exhibit and and then, you know, as, as I was thinking about it and stuff, and I, I took life drawing classes where there was the nude subject and things like that. And I just started thinking about dignity more and more. And everything that these kids are exposed to at younger and younger and younger ages, including art and how that's kind of permeated pop culture to where there really is no ethical standard for dignity anymore. And so tied in with that is how these kids are building relationships with the opposite sex or now the, the same sex. And so there's all of these issues surrounding, surrounding dignity. What is, what is a, a human being? And, you know, thinking about being made in the image of God, what does that mean? And yeah, I mean, these kids, I think a lot of them have very low self-esteem because they're not, they're not taught that they're reflecting their creator's image and that they have that dignity. And so, um, you know, it's really, it's an apologetics letter, but it, it deals directly with kids that might be in already abusive relationships, you know, even as teenagers and stuff, and that they have that dignity and that they don't have to settle in life because they are made for greatness. And that is the Imago Dei in them. That's Latin for image of God. And that's important. The question is, who are we? Where did we come from? What's our purpose? Where are we going? And that all relates to your origins, how you think uh, you arrived on the scene, as it were, and how humans arrived on the scene, as it were. Of course, we believe that uh, Genesis 1-1, God speaks revelation, Imago Dei, the peak of creation. This means that man was made in God's image, not vegetation, not maize, not spinach, more than a plant or a meat animal. He's not a robot. He's not mechanical. Follicles, cuticles, all beautiful, musical, unusual, all suitable, made by the God who was inscrutable. He says, I formed you with the job to do. So that's, you know, the image of God. All right, that's it. That's it. Drop the mic. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's uh, uh, once I said once I said what I was saying, I realized, hey, I got a rap that I wrote about the image of God. And it just came back. And I was like, am I going to forget the next line? But there anyway, so yeah, that nice. that's image of God, ladies and gentlemen. It's important to discuss. It's important to understand. And it's not something you're going to hear about in a public school, okay? And honestly, you're not going to hear it a lot of times even in your churches, and kids need to know, you know? Why don't you be putting yourself all out there on Instagram and, and Twitter, and why shouldn't you not? You know, why should you not? Well, this is something you should not do. Watch porn with your high school boyfriend, you know? These relate to the image of God. 
Chapter mm-hmm. 4, Dear Caleb, just because evil exists doesn't mean that God doesn't. So evil exists, Caleb, but that doesn't mean God does not. This has to do with morality. Why write a letter to an American teenager from your book on the issue of evil and morality? Well, you know, that's that's probably the one topic that in apologetic circles and just in regular life, those that want to reject God, that's the one topic that they'll go to. That there's evil in the world, therefore God is not in existence. And basically, I mean, you know, coming from presuppositionalism, that um, when you presupp, the only way that you can make sense of the fact that evil even exists is if you presuppose that God exists. That's a big Other- question. Let's pick that question up on the other side of the break. I am talking today at Koinonia to Lee Weiland, author of the book Letters to American Teenagers. Great theological discussions in this book in letter form. It's apologetics for teenagers. And if you guys are good, I might even do the other part of my rap to that song. But you got to come back. See you on the other side of the break. Welcome back to Koinonia Radio. This is Vocab Alone. You are listening to 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk, where we connect faith and life. Come at you every Tuesday at 2 o'clock. Vocab filling in for Tom Brown on a regular basis, just on Tuesday. Don't worry, Tom Brown still does his own show and all that. But he likes to let other people jump on the microphone every now and then. And sometimes when I jump on the microphone, I rap. And sometimes I talk about apologetics. Today we're going to do both. Apologetics, that's where we obey the command of 1 Peter 3.15, which says that we should always have an answer that's ready. we got to be prepared to give an answer to anyone that asks, why do you have hope? Why do you have hope? But before we do that, we've got to sanctify the Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts. That means set him apart as Lord. So to do that, we need to be able to express that not only to adults, but to teenagers. So that's why I'm interviewing today Lee Wyland, author of a book called Letters to American Teenagers. Great theological discussion in letter form for that younger demographic. And we just finished up talking about how people are made, who they are, all that. That's anthropology, you know? What's the purpose of of man type of thing? And I busted out with a rap, and I said I might do a part two of it. So I'll hold that, but first let's finish this question, and then I'll see if we're going to do this little rap. Lee, you were just talking about chapter four to Caleb, which says just because evil exists doesn't mean that God doesn't exist. Explain this problem of evil in relationship to morality, you ended by saying, listen, if there's no God, we don't even have a means to be able to say there's right and wrong, good and evil in the first place. Can you flesh that out a little bit more, please, Brother Lee? Right, no problem. So, I mean, that's that's one of the issues that's usually brought up whenever I'm talking with somebody um, who does not want to uh, accept uh, Christ. And it's, um, it's, it's the idea that there's evil in the world. And if, you know, there's an all good, all powerful God, then then how can he let evil exist? And, you know, just just very simply on the flip side of that is that if there isn't an all good, you know, uh, transcendent being that sets the standard out of his own nature for what goodness is, then we don't even have the comp the, the, the concept of evil. And so the discussion is, you know, it just kind of falls apart from there. How do people 
respond? Maybe how did some teenagers respond when you try to explain the problem of evil like that? Because the problem of evil is a big one. People say, well, why do good things, why, why do bad things happen to good people? Now, theologically, we don't even agree with the question about good things happening to, or I'm sorry, bad <laughs> things happening to good people because of the good people presumption. But what do they say when you break it down that way? Well, that's actually kind of where, where the discussion goes is that, you know, why, why do bad things happen to good people? And then it takes us right into the biblical discussion of what is man and that we're fallen and that we were not good by nature, that we're children of wrath, Ephesians 2. And then it, it, it just encourages the, the sharing of the gospel and stuff and that, that even though we do have that evil nature, God stepped into creation and provides redemption for us. Um, and that we wouldn't even want that redemption, but it's uh, by God changing our hearts that we that we are made to desire that. And so it's it just leads right into the gospel. Um, and that's where I try to stay because they can see they can see immediately that yep. Um, and that's that's actually what formed one of the other chapters uh, where uh, one of the the fellows that I was talking to said that rape is okay. And that's really what was the impetus for writing this book is that, wow, you know, that. Um, so, yeah, without without Christianity, without God, there is no evil. And, and these kids get that. Well, I think that's a good place to brighten it up a little bit. Hey, Bill, can you turn up the input? I'm going to try a rap. Let's see if it's working. Sometimes we make this show a little bit different, everybody. And so I told you guys I was going to do a rap about the image of God. Here's my beat, and here's the rest of the song. This is a little uh, intermission. All right, let's try this. (laughs) God is the shaper of our toes and our hearts, hearts. He is the sower of our innermost part, part. Peep that text and examine it. We're animate. We're not an animate. We're not just mere matter of emotion. We're not just more data from oceans. Glorious ruin human made in his likeness made to relate and love what's righteous. Search me when I sit, when I rise, when I stand, when I lay, when I live, when I die. Now you search me when I sit, when I rise, when I stand, when I lay, when I live, and when I die. I think a thought, but I forgot what for. Not you, oh Lord. You know me evermore You hold me close And cover my soul You know my road So where shall I go? She oh I flow back up with the wings You are there wearing the bright morning I stand in the plan of his strong right hand You knitted me together And indeed I am Wonderful work so fearfully made My frame was hidden In the womb I laid Knit and woven kept a secret unformed yet you knew and peeped it believe it yeah your book was written you knew me know me know me and i was not hidden i am dust plus life now by trust in christ psalm 31 good night oh man i messed up it's psalm 139 i don't know why i said that i pretty much got through that little verse on the spot without any mistakes but guys it's psalm 139 i don't know why i said psalm 31 Anyway, so uh, there's the rap information about the, the image of God, the Imago Dei. Now, I don't think I have any uh, raps, that, at least that I can call to mind, Lee, on um, morality and the problem of evil. 
But I might have some on aesthetics and beauty. But listen, this interview is about your book, not about me rapping. <laughs> so I won't do that again. But chapter five is, Dear Madison, beauty is in the eye of the creator. Aesthetics. So we're doing little excerpts, little highlights from your book, Letters to American Teenagers. Tell people what chapter five is about. Why have aesthetics, and especially an apologetics book? Why is that an important letter slash chapter? Oh, yeah. So uh, whenever we're, you know, talking about theology, I mean, sometimes it can get pretty heavy and we're, we're talking about good and evil and, and uh, you know, clashes of worldviews and all of that. And, I mean, something that we kind of – that, I, you know, I even overlook is, is the idea that the worldview really covers every part of life, including what is beauty and what is beautiful and and um and how to define that and what's the standard for that and so um that's kind of a that was a fun chapter to write and uh, of course because i was an art teacher uh for you know a good number of years um i you know just decided to put a, a chapter in there on that and i hadn't really read a lot about um about that from a christian perspective so it was pretty cool to put that together and, I mean, really, it ties in, if you think about it. We're talking about letters to American teenagers. I mean, what's something everybody, at least to my knowledge, takes sometime in high school? Art class. I mean, mm-hmm. as, so this is directly relevant, you know? Like, is it important for a Christian to be in art class? And then what's the philosophical understanding you have of art? Like, what's the underlying philosophy of not just any given artist or any given piece, but actually how Christians should think about aesthetics and beauty in general. And so I'm glad that you have a chapter like that in there. Chapter six is Dear Sierra, the religious buffet is not all you can eat. This has to do with world religions. So I hope people can see why it's important to talk to teenagers about world religions. Um, Tell us what you talked about in that chapter, that letter to an American teenager. What'd you do there? All right. Well, uh, I try to go through and kind of um, kind of come underneath all of the world religions a little bit, like in that presuppositional way, and just kind of um, show how they're not all the same, because I think that's one of the things that's kind of um, peddled in public school is that, you know, all, all religions are sort of about the same thing and about um, people just striving to make a good impact on the world. And, you know, we know that that's not what it's about. And there's a, I guess, within the amount of time that they spend on world religions, they really don't get that. uh, They don't look at the foundations of them. So, yeah, I I try to approach that chapter um, concisely and just by trying to open up the fact that that no religions are are not all the same, like the tenets of Buddhism or Islam or Christianity um, or even secular humanism or, or whatever else, it's it's not the same. They're, the foundations are very, very different. True, true. And, you know, this is important. I mean, uh, the world is a smaller place than it was 50 years ago, you know, from the way telecommunication works to uh, travel, all types of things. It is a smaller place in many in many senses, and we're much more aware of things that impact and influence people in other countries because, uh, you know, we see it even on our shores, such as the motivation to do things from the perspective of certain kinds of Islam. That's important. 
And that's not the only world religion to bring up, but certainly you wouldn't want to leave it out in a discussion. It's important before you jump into that as a Christian, how do we even think about world religions in the first place? Mm-hmm. Chapter 7, I think, is to a Christian student, especially. I mean, I understand these are theological discussions, but this especially uh, says, Dear Aaron, be strong, brother. It has to do with apologetics. Tell me about this chapter on apologetics in your apologetics book for teenagers. Okay. Uh, well, well, this chapter is uh, it's based off a conversation that I had. Um, there was a, a, a big group. It was actually at a at an overnighter that was at the school, and the teachers were helping to facilitate that. And and uh, there's a big conversation that was happening. And one of the kids there was a Christian, and he started asking me things that sounded almost like it was coming from an atheistic perspective. And then we talked a little bit more and stuff, and I was I was seeing how much, um, you know, without getting into too many specifics, how much the evidentialist kind of apologetics really has saturated the Christian landscape. So, in other words, people are, are always trying to build up these mountains of evidence in order to feel justified to believe in the Christian worldview. So chapter and, six on apologetics is encouraging students to take a different approach, correct? Exactly, exactly. One in which we first have our faith shored up, meaning we trust God as the ultimate source of authority, not our own individual autonomous reason. In fact, what's Proverbs 3, 5, 6 say? Lean not into your own understanding, but who? What do we do? Acknowledge the Lord, trust in Him, and He'll He'll direct our paths. So that's what that chapter is about. We're going to talk about some other chapters you got. In fact, the the catalyst for the book, Rape is Not Okay. Yes, we needed to write that. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> got to like that little guitar in there. This is Quinonia Radio. You're listening to 1360 KPXQ. Vocab Malone, that's my name. I got some radio shows I've done not on Quinonia, although I do want you to listen to Quinonia, especially every Tuesday at 2. But you can check out some of the other radio shows I've done at UrbanTheologianRadio.com. All right, we are talking to the author of a newer book, brand new, relatively speaking, by Lee Weiland. He's out there in Anchorage, Alaska, all the way from Anchorage, Alaska. And here we are in Phoenix, Arizona. Don't know if we could be more different, but here we are. And, you know, briefly, uh, a brief detour... Lee, I was talking to you on the phone, and you mentioned that you have actually seen, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because we cover this topic a lot on Koinonia whenever I'm on, Hebrew Israelites. Now, if you haven't heard me talk about it on the show before, uh, sometimes they're called black Hebrew Israelites. They stand out on the corner, and they have sandwich board signs with pictures of things like black Jesus or slave ships. And they generally uh, tell people they're going by if they're white, hey, you're going to get yours. You're going to get paid back for slavery. And if you're uh, black or brown, they say, hey, don't you know that you're the true Israelites? That's showing what they do. They have distinctive dress very often. There's some right here in our own backyard at 19th Avenue and Camelback, as well as 1st Street in Washington. And um, you told me you saw some in Alaska. Is that true? Oh, yeah. They're all the way out here, too. Uh, a couple years ago. Um, and by the way, I appreciate your, your ministry in that area. It's, uh, it's really needed. Um, but yeah, a couple years ago, uh, 
before I knew anything about it, I, I saw them downtown and I decided, hey, you know, I'm not doing anything today. So I, I walked over and just started to engage them a little bit. And it was the strangest, most surreal thing. Um, so, yeah, they're out here. Why was it a strange, weird, odd encounter or conversation, Lee, with the Hebrew Israelites? What was odd about it? Oh, man. Um, well, I mean, anything from from the, the military getup to the the crazy pictures with Jesus with horns to the cussing and screaming and yelling. Um, I was like, what is going on here? And uh, they used the, it's kind of like kind of like the Mormons would where they'll they'll have they'll use the same words that we do, same vocabulary, but it means something completely different. And so I, you know, I went back and I just hopped online and started researching into a little bit and can't really couldn't really find a whole lot of information back then but uh um like I said I appreciate what you are doing and uh you know casting a light on on that area of theology yeah I mean that's the reason one of the reasons I know sometimes people might tune in and they are like oh vocab it he's talking about these Hebrew Israelite stuff again I I don't understand well listen it is growing and our cities should be a major concern for apologetics. And guess what? Another area that should be concerned in relationship to apologetics are our teenagers. More and more people who would at one time identify as churchgoers or, or Christians in some sociological construct are leaving uh, any kind of identification with Christianity once they you know hit high school and especially once they hit college. Now, we understand there's other problems and other issues there, and we also understand there's some theological uh, things to consider first. However, it can't be a good thing if more and more people are saying, yeah, I don't believe in any of that really now. And why is that? Well, one of the reasons they have not been given a good dose of apologetics and shown how to steal their mind. And sometimes they don't understand morality, they don't understand law, they don't understand sexuality. Let's get into something that touches on all those. Chapter 8, Dear Tim, Rape is Not Okay. Why did you have to write that chapter in the first place? Oh wow! So that was that was like I said uh, the impetus for writing the book, and it was one conversation. Uh, folks were waiting, waiting for rides and stuff, and and we're talking about society, and 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 uh, one fellow was saying that uh, marriage isn't necessary for society, and uh, so you know we we kept going back and forth a little bit and just talking. I'd ask some questions and stuff, and. Uh, you know, I, uh, I the the breakdown of, of the idea of, of marriage was very apparent, and as we went further into the discussion, um, I asked if it, if if uh, consent was even necessary. Um, you know, based on upon the fact that uh, there's really no standard for ethics and stuff from from his perspective, and he said, "Yeah, rape is okay," and that societies might even you know adopt that as a principle and. And uh, he wouldn't he wouldn't mind that and and I and I just said did you hear what you just said like it was just is this a high a school or a college student I'm curious this was a high school student uh, just were, getting ready to graduate were there any uh, high school girls around when this guy was talking yeah <laughs> did they have anything to say I mean no it was it, that's when you push the 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 antithesis when you push the the other side. They, um, you know, it's sad, but I, I see folks just kind of cling to it no matter how radical what uh, the words are that are coming out, you know, and and I and I, 
I don't want to say that I think that they believe that. I don't think that they live that way. And then, you know, like we talked about being made in the image of God, I, I don't think, fortunately, by God's grace, people don't live consistently with what they say, you know. And um, but just on an intellectual level and the fact that we've got so many problems in our society, I mean, we're plagued by, you know, uh, clowns now and uh, not to say anything about the presidential election. But, I mean, we don't have any ethical standard anymore and stuff like this is happening. And so I felt that I needed to address that conversation in particular. Well, I'm glad that you did. This is a great book I want to encourage everybody listening to this interview to get Letters to American Teenagers. How can people get this book? It's on Amazon, right? What do they look for? Oh, yeah, they can just uh, search for Letters to American Teenagers on Amazon. It'll be uh, probably the first one that pops up. They can also go over to um, gospeljitsu.com, and uh, it's right there. Um, you know, there's some other articles and stuff, too. I like uh, the cover here. It's like uh, kind of like – I don't know what you call those. It's like those envelopes. It's got the little string tie on it that connects the flap yeah. to it. Uh, who designed that? That's nice. Oh, yeah. I, I put that together. Um, it's pretty cool, yeah. man. So you do some – well, you said you took some art and studied that. I guess you were able to do stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I try to stay involved, keep that up. That's nice, man. That's uh, nice. And I see each chapter, I mean, just, I mean, we're reiterating in case people are just now joining. Each chapter is laid out really like a letter. You know, it's very personal, like you're writing to the person. You have some pull-out kind of quotes, um, such as when you quote a scripture. And and then at the end, you know, it'll say something like, Sincerely, Lee. And, uh, you know, you'll mention the person's name, like, Yes, Haley, you know, when you're going through... So it has a very personal touch to it. You even got some smiley face emoticons <laughs> in there as well, you know, which I, th- you know, it has a little light touch to it because you're talking about some, uh, some, you know, big topics, some big things there. And it's a thoroughly biblical worldview that you have there, and I, I like that. So that's good. So I do want to encourage people, pick it up, Letters to American Teenagers by Lee Weiland. He is today's guest. Now, we're not going to be able to cover everything else in this book. But let me throw some of the titles out there, and maybe you can um, look at what you wanted to say, maybe about one more. Um, Here's what we've got. Dear Justin, it's spelled S-E-X. So, of course, that's on sexuality. Dear Billy, you are what you eat and watch and listen to. That's to do with health. Dear Chris, so you want to talk about evolution. That's philosophy of science. In chapter 12, Dear students, demand an honest education. It has to do with schooling. You want to say something briefly about maybe one of those chapters? Uh, if I'd have to pick one, I'd, I guess I'd say that last chapter there about uh, education. Mm-hmm. Um, just the fact that uh, people just take it for granted that, that you know public school is almost one of the Ten Commandments. And uh, if you bring that up, it's really a hot topic in church, um, something that, that – that people get really emotional about. And I think that from a biblical perspective, we need to have a different answer for education, namely uh, that it should be done within the family, within the home, and it needs to be on that Christian foundation. And I think that if more and more and more people would adopt that biblical perspective, we would definitely have a different society, which is why I'm writing a a new book on education from a biblical perspective. What's that one going to be titled? Do you got a title for that one yet? 
Ooh, Letters thinking, to American uh, teachers. Just kidding. We don't <laughs> need no education. No. Well, maybe uh, maybe effed up. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. You're going to go <laughs> there with it. Uh, I'm not sure if everyone's catching the reference, but, you know, F is a grade. And you've got there you that go. in there with an apostrophe. You know, F, just so everyone knows, you know, you know what that is. Uh, well, I would roll with that. I could totally roll with that. Um, we'll, we'll see what everyone else says, but I think it's pretty awesome. All right. You also, speaking of other work that you've done or have got going on, you did something uh, for Reconstructionist Radio, a short film. What was that project about? Oh, um, well, uh, yeah, I listened to a lot of podcasts, uh, and uh, there was one that really stuck out to me, and it was uh, one by Bojidar Marinov on the Second Amendment and uh, the the just a biblical perspective on police and the sheriffs. And um, and I thought, man, you know, if this if this was in video form, I think a lot more people would tune in and try to understand the message. And so uh, I talked with some of the guys over there at Reconstructionist Radio, and they. They said, yeah, go for it. And so I put together a little short film, um, brings in a lot of imagery, try to make a look, uh, you know, eye-catching, um, you know, reach that aesthetic level on Can a topic that's really serious. Can people watch that online, Lee? What's that? Can they watch that online? Yeah, they can. Um, just go to Reconstructionist Radio or uh, Axe to the Root or LRN Teach. All right. And then um, let's ask about how the book has done so far. I mean – have you heard people's responses? And if not, maybe what do you guess as more and more people get a hold of this book, what are they going to say? You've only got about a minute to answer that question. But what's the reception been? Oh, yeah, it's uh, mixed. Um, some good feedback and then some confusing feedback, you know, just uh, because it is a clash of worldviews. And it's a, a definite direct challenge on the way to think and to look at life. And uh, also, people can find you on Facebook under Lee Wyland Author, L-E-E-W-E-I-L-A-N-D, Author. And I encourage them to do that. You've got some good information there as well. So some really good stuff. I'm very excited about more people reading this. Letters to American Teenagers. We've got one more segment left. Don't go anywhere. We're going to finish it up talking to the author of the book. Lee Wyland, and uh, during the break, why don't you go to gospeljujitsu.com? Just check it out. I think you're going to dig it. All right. When we come back, we'll finish this interview up. Vocab Malone on Quinity Radio. You don't want to miss it. This is the last segment of Quinity Radio. It's always kind of sad when we roll around at this part of the show. The end. But we've had a great interview with Lee Wyland, author of a very unique book. Apologetics, that's answering tough questions about the Christian faith type of thing, for teenagers. And the book is called Letters to American Teenagers, A Theological Conversation with the Teenagers of America by Lee Wyland. Lee, are there any summarizing thoughts you want to mention about the book that maybe you didn't get to? Or uh, maybe if you could put in like a, a 30-second you know, elevator sales pitch, why should someone buy this book? Why should they read it? You know, I'll give you a chance to do that now. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I, I think that it, as I researched online, I, I couldn't really find a whole lot of options for good, solid, deep uh, theological books. And at the same time, theological books tend to get really heavy. And so what I tried to do with this was just make it really personal, really meaningful. It's heartfelt. And uh, I think it's going to be a, a good read and I get good feedback from it. So I, I hope people enjoy it. I hope people, uh, uh, you know, give it a chance. 
Well, I agree, and I've enjoyed the discussions I've had with you. Um, interesting perspective. Now, during the day uh, you're teaching parkour, uh, are you able to integrate your Christian faith into your profession? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, you know, we wouldn't have any business at all if it wasn't for the Trinity. You know what I mean? So just on that precept level and uh, we um, just in terms of the business, I mean, start to do everything with excellence uh, to glorify God, to build a community. Um, gospel goes out in the gym, play that reformed rap. Oh, so, nice. That, yeah, I like definitely. I like it. I like it. Now yeah, we got some Ivy Connolly going and people, uh, yeah, they want to see you or your students jumping around. Could they do that? that? Could they? Is there a place online where you, you or your students could be seen jumping around? Oh yeah! If if, you, if anybody wants to check out the gym up here, it's uh, Pacific Rim Athletics, and you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, lots of videos, lots of cool stuff, fun stuff to see. Pacific Rim Athletics. Look for Lee Wyland. He's not just a parkour and tumbler instructor. He is also an author, author of the book we've been discussing today, Letters to American Teenagers, a theological conversation with the Teenagers of America. Listen, Lee, when your next book on education is out, will you give us a, give us a buzz? We'll have you back on. Oh, that'd be great, and thanks for having me on today. I appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Uh, I, I hope you wear your jacket today out there in Alaska. Thanks for joining us on Koinonia. All right, man. Take care.